Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your alternate Monday? Fantastic, Dennis. It is a wonderful, wonderful day here in the Midwest. Uh, mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, it's first off, we're past January and February, so it makes me happier always. Yep, um, at time of recording, it is March 1st. Yay for March 1st. Uh, still, still got some winter to go, guys. Hold on to your, to your socks. I know that Dennis being out there in the in the far south, you're probably sweating your your face off. But it's it's very it's like ninety nine percent humidity. I saw, I'm sure this was TikTok, and I won't remember the details, but there was somebody explaining how the humidity numbers work, um, and it's like a percent of a part of the atmosphere, right? Like obviously at 90% humidity, the air is not 90% water. I always wonder that. Like it's 100% but humidity out here. We're, that's we're what swimming. it seems like. like that's, what we, that's what we talk Anyway, it's been like 99, 98 because it's been on the verge of raining. I think in North Texas, it is raining. But yeah, it's been getting... Uh, I almost had to run my AC through the night last night. Like I opened all the windows and I was like, it's like 72, which isn't bad, but... It's also like 98% humidity or something. And so I was like, oh, yeah, this is almost. But I yeah. opened all the windows and left the fan on and was fine. But Well, yeah. not, not that I want to talk a ton about weather, but I, I will say that <laughs> as a fair warning to everyone, this is that time that always happens that there's a like a early warm thing that happens usually in March, maybe even sometimes February. Where you're like, oh, spring is finally here, and it's usually when the mm. daffodils decide to, to to bloom out. So if you haven't noticed, sure. they're da- yellow daffodils blooming all over the place, and they're always trickster because they make you think that spring is here, and then mm. it comes back, and that's when you start taking, you wearing your shorts, and you take off your coat, and you're like, yeah, and then you go to work, and it snows. So be yeah. wary, guys. We're still we're still in it now. Uh, so keep keep on your. Uh, winter tv show watching and game playing and we're not quite there yet um for, for our outdoor adventures but you know you can still do if you're a winter person uh don't listen to the show again i hate you but um <laughs> we can um uh, still do wonderful things we have been playing this is not helpful to our show dennis but we have been playing an old game forever it's now. it's a, a brand new state-of-the-art hotness <laughs> that everyone is talking about Right. You, you you might have heard of it. It's from a tiny indie studio called yeah. Blizzard. Yeah. And it's a they, game. They started making games kind of recently, I think. It's it's a brand new game called Diablo 3. Uh, right. Yeah. It's the third it's what, one. It's the third in the franchise. It's it's the third in the franchise. That's Maybe right. someday they'll make a sequel to this one. Maybe someday. Well, so, we soon we, TM. I don't I know we shouldn't probably spend a lot of time on this. So so let's not no. spend a lot of time on this one. No. But we 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 uh Diablo 4 the, the the background of this one is Diablo 4 comes out this July, June? What, what is it, June? May or June, I want to say. Maybe even yeah. April? No, I don't think. I think it's definitely June. I think it's summertime is what I, what I saw. Probably, probably. Uh, but, so it's it's pretty far away, but, you know, not too far. Um, not, and I mean, we have a we have a date, right? We've been talking about Diablo 4, feels like about a decade, so. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, I remember Having a us, date is a big step up. I remember sitting in... Um, uh, in my old game room, us watching for BlizzCon and, and watching. Oh yeah, we did. I I did BlizzCon from your house one time, and I remember yeah, watching right. the like class previews and stuff. And it's like, right. oh, this is cool, and this is cool. I don't know about this, and 
yeah, that's the thing. Right, that that was fun. Uh, so that's that's coming up soon. And so what at Diablo for those who who don't play it or has played it has these things or played it for a while has these things called seasons, which a lot of games have, mm-hmm. where uh, you play a character and work them up, and there are special equipment and quests and things that are only for that season, and they change every season. Yeah, it's um, like so, for any game, like in an in an MMO, massively multiplayer role playing game. Uh, where you make an alt or a new character or in a single player game where you're like, I'm going to start over. I'm going to do a fresh, clean run in Zelda or Hades or whatever. Um, This is like that, but it's built into the system of the game. Like for a few months, a couple times a year, I don't know the exact schedule. It's the only time I come back to this game because I played it a lot when it was new and then played it again after, well, was after they fixed a lot of things and they added in this idea of seasons. So it's a it's a completely new instance of the game. You don't have any of your character like you start a new character and you don't have any of your stuff, your old gear and gold and all of that stuff. And you go through this whole new play and there are permanent rewards and well, everything you collect and save on that character gets rolled into your main pool of characters uh at the end of the season though no one ever plays them again i I mean i'm sure that people do but i definitely don't um well this is the big thing about the last um i don't think it's the last season they'll do but it's the last one before diablo 4 um and there are some new mechanics and enough of our friends were interested in it that i was like yeah sure i'll i'll diablo 3 again yeah and 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 an important thing because i think when I heard about the idea of seasons and the way you just described it, it was always my first interaction. I was like, I don't want to do that. I could just do that anytime. Like, I, and I never want to, I rarely want to play an alt all over with, without any help or any of my other hard work. But sure. I, th- I think the most important thing about seasons in a Diablo game, Diablo three is that um, there's all sorts of benefits that they give you for this character that are unique type yeah. thing and this and, happens and like there a, are a ladder type stuff to work and there are account wide there are account wide rewards like like they have wings and pets in these games and those are yes cool. they're that, that you can only d- get in that season which is right which it's is the cool. only way to get they do repeat right so like but rare I, it's yeah it's, i think it's a, i think this season uh, was the butterfly wings which i i got the first season that i played and at least one subsequent season because i've not played them all i've played like four yeah there's five. 38 this is 38 i think um, 28. So so anyway, we we played yeah, as as Dennis said, we we plan this because it's I mean, once Diablo 4 comes out, we're probably w- at least our friend group aren't going to w- with the exception of one of us, probably aren't going to go back and play the older one. No. Uh so we'll just Very play unlikely. with the newer one and go through it. Not I'm not saying that's it's 100% that we wouldn't go back and play it cuz Diablo 4 could be terrible. But sure. um we're uh so this is our like kind of our last hurrah to to give it a good, another good shot, um, yeah. and uh, the I shouldn't have been surprised, but the thing that seems to be happening is that like our friend group is blowing through it pretty quickly, sure. and uh, I see it only lasting like a, a maybe another week at most. Um, but I think that's just how it works. Like it's just a it's an older game. People know what to expect, what they're doing, mm-hmm, how to do it. They've mm-hmm. done it multiple times before. Yeah. Um, but the, what to talk about, I guess, really is. Um, the the I, I wanted to bring it up kind of to you to talk about um the not the history of it but how do how do you feel let's we're wrapping up a phase of Diablo right it, okay. we're, we're not going to go back to three we're going to start a whole thing 
And now we've got all these mechanics in the game and where it's come. Cause I know, remember when it launched, what it was and yep. what it is now are so vastly different in some ways. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, you're still killing things with, you know, zombies and yeah. such. But, yeah. The core uh, of the game is still there, but a lot of, a lot of things have changed from the original launch. Yeah. How do, so one, what, what's your overall feeling on Diablo three? Like just, now that it's complete, I'm going to say it's complete. How, how do you feel about Diablo 3? And then um, what is, let's just say one of your most favorite mechanic that was added post-game, post-launch. like um, And what's something that's gone away that you're glad has gone or been improved upon uh, since? I mean, well, the low-hanging fruit for that second one is the real money auction house, right? Oh, sure. I, I didn't have any strong feelings about that i actually sold something or several things back in the day to make like four dollars on my blizzard account that i probably spent on heroes of the storm cosmetics they, they feel or like something. steam badges or whatever those things tickets or well the, this was real money but i don't think yeah, you could yeah. cash it out right it, it oh, was right, just a, right. it was just it was like store credit um, <laughs> of course, of course. May, maybe you could i don't know but it's to me the change that really made the difference with the auction house was not, like, removing it. Although there is a lot less trading um, in the game. A lot more items are, are bind to account now. Um, that, to me, is sort of a, like, a side effect. That's a thing that a game can do. And of course, I don't want to get too deep into game design. Um, but this is a thing World of Warcraft did. Where you you drastically cut down on, like, the oh, what do I want to call it? Like the 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 the, the economics of it, okay. maybe. Like you go yeah. back to old, like classic WoW, or um, this was even worse in uh, original Guild Wars um, because it had no it had no in-game trading system, and actually there was a, a relatively low cap on how much gold you could transfer between players. Yeah. And and so it would, like, convert into this real item called platinum. And so you would say, like, this is, you know, three platinum, right? It was like, it was like Ferengi in Starcraft, or Star Trek. Um, and there was no auction house, so you had to, like, take screenshots of your items and type in all the stats and put it on this forum where people would you know, buy and sell stuff. You had to do it all manually and it was this massive chore. Um, and then you had to like arrange to meet up. It was like Craigslist, right? It was like Craigslist versus like Amazon marketplace maybe or something. Um, but the, 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 to me, what the, the real benefit, the real quote unquote good thing about taking out or reducing a lot of that stuff is that in order to do that, the player has to get more useful gear and, more importantly, less useless gear. Because right. this, this is a loot game. It, you know, if it were... I don't know why, like... There's a, a loot grinder, I guess is the word. Um, sure. There's a, there's a subset of this genre called um, loot shooter, right? Like Borderlands. Um, where... The gear and the items are all randomly generated. They're not. Like, they're fixed. 
like an item with this name is this item, but the stats on it are random. You know, okay. they're generated according to these specific formulas based on your level and difficulty level of the game and all that stuff. And that's exactly how Diablo 2 was. Um, but when they took out the Real Money Auction House, um, they changed the way loot drops. Less loot yes. drops, but it's, it's more often useful or at least for the class that you're playing. Yes. Right? That, that's one, a, that, was a, that was a huge change. One, one out of every 50 items that drops for me is for a different class. Like 49 of those items are for a demon hunter. And then one monk item will drop. Where in the original game, the original version of Diablo 3, you would just get whatever. And so you're like, okay, that's barbarian item, that's a witch doctor item, that's a monk item, I don't care about any of that. Here's two demon hunter things. And are those any good? Okay, I'll keep this one and I'll, sell, I'll vendor this other one. Um, and because there were so many more drops, you had to go back to town more often to empty out your bags, and, and it was just a lot more tedious. Um, and that's probably the big one. Like, the other stuff is, is more specific and, yeah. and, and is just... I, don't, I, I didn't play as far in the original iteration of the game to know what those what those um features and functions looked like at that time so i'm like how hard was it to get a set if you had one piece of the set like how hard like i know how to do it now i don't know how you did it before whether it's easier now than it was and and a lot of that is really specific that won't mean anything to people who haven't played the game sure i i will say from 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 my point of view um I, I I like I, I liked the this iteration of Diablo. I always say that it takes way too it, it's gone on way too long, but that's me. Um, I like I actually like the story modes a whole lot in hmm. in the game. Sure. Um, in in the Diablo games or in the StarCraft games or a lot of the Blizzard games, I know people play them forever. Post you know in in the the other game the other what I call the alt game modes. Sure. Um, but the I've always appreciated working through seeing the, the big storylines and the battles and things like that. And getting up to level 70 was always such a the fun thing for me. Um, but I will say I wanted to say that so that I could tell you that my favorite improvement to the game was probably the adventure mode. Um, and that's simply because um, once you played through it so much and they were not going to add any more of that ever again, story uh, to the right. game. Uh, after the expansion, they were they they added one point, act in the expansion, and, right. and that's it. Yeah, and that's it. And and it feels like they they at that point decided no longer to support expansions for this game and story editions thing like that. Um, and the game was to me uh, to me a dead thing. Like you could put all the seasons sure. and things you wanted, but you're still playing through that story mode and doing the story mode. But their inclusion of this whole new way to play adventure mode to be able to jump in do these things called bounties make like uh, a sit down and have a good time for a short hour or so um, was such an improvement and like brought back the life of the game for me. Um, obviously seasons helped that along as well. Um, but I really, I really appreciated them doing that and the way they added it and made, it made the game a different game. It really did. Like now when yeah, we went back, made, I've never played story mode. Again. It, it made it more arcadey. And I arcadey. That's a good, that's a good word. I do that, that you're describing so much 
that I forgot adventure mode was an added thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I talked about this, I don't know, four or five years ago when I bought the Switch, because I bought Diablo for the Switch. Yeah. Um, and I had a long, like, eight-hour car ride with my family, and I spent a good chunk of that car ride doing a season in adventure mode on my Switch. And just doing bounties, like start a new game, do this bounty, this bounty, this bounty, clear this act, do the next next act. And it's it seems a little chory, but it's like you jump in the game and you get right to what you want to do. You don't have to wait to hear, to, to skip past cutscenes you've already seen, to go along this linear path of the same story you've done. I mean, I've done it at least half a dozen times. Um, yeah, Adventure Mode is great. Yeah, I I think that's... That, I'm really glad they added that. that. That's really good. I'm also glad they they added that season as well. The the thing I'm glad is gone. Obviously, is the real money auction house um, as well. That that was. Um, if it was if it wasn't a corporate um, call down from somebody in in the you saw you watched Mythic Quest. You know the the guy that's <laughs> that's all about the money thing. If it's yeah. not from someone like him, I would be shocked. That they someone like that didn't come down to the the meeting one day and say, "All right, we need to put in a, an auction house. We need to put a money maker in there." Um, right. And this I was mean, like, like bo- ten or fifteen years ago. So I mean, I remember before the game came out, we were excited for it. Like, oh, you can take your. I mean, it's just like. I mean, it goes back to the whole thing that I said earlier about getting more loot, getting less. Le- getting less loot but more relevant loot than yeah. than the more loot we got before. The whole thing is based on you having a bunch of loot you don't want, right? But before yes. the game launched, we were like, "Oh, we can if we get something that's good but that we can't use, we could sell it and and make money." This can L- be like little a, did we know that's all we would get, right? It's like a, that we didn't want, right? like a second life thing where you can you can make real money in your in your virtual world. And of course, in retrospect, that's a terrible idea. But, yeah. you know, I can understand how, at the time, they're like, yeah, this is what people do. And, you know, the sort of, um, what's this? Again, like a, like a wow philosophy. Like, um, the way that you, uh, the way that you get people not to cheat is you make an official way to do the things people want to do, right? You get people to stop buying WoW accounts to switch factions by just letting them switch factions by paying you money, right? Like, right. from a certain point of view, it makes sense. But, yeah, it was it was not... Uh, it was not... Uh, well, right. it, it, it was clearly... It, it did not take long before that thing got taken out or or... It was crippled first. They they started. I think the first thing they did was make things relevant to you drop, like you, your, your yeah. thing you mentioned, and then that crippled it. And then they just kind of cut it off, and then stopped it, and then removed it um, because it was overwhelmingly a deterrent to the game. And I remember when it launching. It's, I'm looking it up at now, May of, two, of 2012, so it's 11 years old. Um, is that? Uh, it was not accepted well. We should all remember this time when Diablo 4 comes out because the game itself had, was full of bugs. Diablo 3 was. Had oh, yeah. all sorts of problems. I was Systems there launch day. Like, like you couldn't log in. It was, it was a real mess. 
Yeah, it was a real mess. And it was a real mess for a long time, for several patches. Before, yeah. Like, for example, the Real Money Auction House was a crippling part to the game, to the enjoyment of the game. And while they could make plans after they find out, they let it run for a month or two, right, to see, well, maybe it's just internet, you know, trolls. Sure. Um, and then, then it takes time for them to plan it, what they're going to do, rope. And that takes several months, and at, at best, right, while, while they're also doing things like the game can't launch or yeah. things aren't dropping at all, or oh, you can't geez. get past a boss because of whatever, you know? Um, so the game Diablo three, I just wanted to say that, say that to remember that Diablo three launched not in the best state at all. Right. And it took, and, and all it, the, the words were from the, the blizzard loyalists were, don't worry, they'll get it. Diablo two has been out for 7,000 years and they're still support. This'll be fixed. This'll be fixed, which they're not wrong. They totally was, you know, yeah. the, the game. That's why I kind of mentioned here earlier. How do you feel about it as it's completed thing? Um, because that's different than what it was. The feelings could have been when it was launched. Now I, I also don't say when Diablo four comes out that you should just say, Oh, it'll be fine and the better. Cause I'm a firm believer that you launch a finished product. You don't launch a product. That's, that's, you know, we'll fix it later. Like, yeah, it happens. It's yeah. regular had to happen today. But. Yeah, it's not it's not early access. And I think even even the present day blizzard with all the recent changes that I've not been keeping up with in the news, like I don't think they think stuff is broke. You just find out right. Like you just can't test. You can test a lot of things. You just can't test the real world. You just can't. Yeah, I, I still go back to like. For the Super Nintendo, they didn't have like we'll put it out and it'll be fine and then we'll patch it. Like yeah, I I don't I don't Super think Super Mario Brothers worked fine, right? I don't think they put things. That was also a single player game. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. The little apples to oranges there, but um, yeah, I don't think they release things intending that this is going to oh, be course. broken and we'll, we'll you just learn as you go. I mean, maybe well, there, somebody should have been that... able to see that uh, making a game pay to win is still bad even if you're paying other players um yeah and, and there's, there's a house, but there's uh, a there's a thing with game companies these days that have, i think it's changing going back it's an ebb and flow thing where they had this for a good 10 years they've had this um uh take your time to get something not just blizzard but a lot of things you know like we're we'll we'll enjoy making systems and uh, communicate with the commu- community and talk with them and, and make things and it kind of gets stuck in forever. And then some corporate person comes down and says, you got to launch this thing and make some money. And then they force them to launch it. And then they launch it again, not at intending bugs, but they also know that they have the feeling of iter- iterative design from, from their beta phases, all mm-hmm. in alpha phases through all the way to launch. They feel like it's, well, we'll just put it, put a 1.0 on it and continue our development cycle. And I think that that's when I said earlier about the ebb and flow, I think that that's changing back the other way. I think people are getting called out on that more. People aren't necessarily, you know, they realize they're not they're not all buying into the early access stuff. Some people are just waiting until a launch. Sure. And then they'll play a launch and they'll realize it's still in, actually in it early access. Um, uh, and. I think we're coming back to that where people are companies are getting burned enough by, you know, not launching a complete game that we're, that we're, we'll get back to that. I do feel that Diablo four may have some of that. It's kind of one of my whole 
gist I'm getting here with this with this game is that mm. uh, all of the developers have said on the side that oh my god June June second how is that possible for a launch date that's impossible we're not ready and then the corporate was like no you're we're going to launch this game um, yeah and, and you've had you know now eleven years you you we've been working on this you have to to do something um, so. I have the feeling, my prediction is that it will launch with problems. And and if you see the problems that are in um, Diablo Immortal, it's those kind of problems that are going to launch with Diablo 4. It'll be a fun game, but I think that it's going to be lacking in a lot of stuff that you're like, uh, just like Diablo 3 was. Hmm. Um, and Diablo Immortal, I think, will be a fantastic game in three years. You know, I think it's a, it was a fine game when we played it. But right. there's, it's just got some issues that need to be more time. And honestly, that's what you got to do as as a corporate person. You have to put your people under. I do it at my work. If I'm given a no deadline thing, I'll iterate and tinker forever, you know. And not until you are put to the to the time like you have a deadline, do you actually do a thing and make progress. So I'm glad to see Diablo Four coming out, um, whatever state it might be in. And, you know, this I said before, the single player's usually almost really good in these games. Um, sure. R- right out of the gate. So that's, w- that's what I'm looking for in Diablo 4 is, is that single player fun experience again. Um, yeah, my, my anticipation for that game is mixed, uh, along with all of my feelings about Blizzard. Um, mm-hmm. I, w- I won't get into the whole uh, development and deadlines thing because I know you and I disagree on that and we don't need sure. to rehash that discussion. Sure. Um, I just have less hype for blizzard in general. So yes, I also expect that it's going to have issues at launch. I'll almost certainly still buy it at some point. It won't be a pre-order thing like it might've been two, three years ago. Yeah. Um, was it more than two or three years ago? I don't remember. Yeah. Th- th- um, this is a, it's a complete uh, different. If someone had just come back from two years ago, listen to the podcast, they would have, like what is what is this dennis is this the new dennis yeah i mean i'll definitely <laughs> buy it i'll definitely play it i just am more as you said uh um maybe not realist maybe not cynical something somewhere in between those two um sure yeah and and just like all games that whether it be a board game role playing game video game you don't have to play it. It doesn't make it bad if you don't play it right away. Right. Right. And I know that obviously we're not sponsored by Blizzard. We wouldn't be saying these things, but you don't have to play um, Diablo four at launch for it to be good. You could play it in a year. Maybe you just want to play a game after it's been, you know, vetted after a while and fixed and things like that. Right. Um, So not that I want to close down the hype on things, but it's okay. I I say that with, with role-playing games. They're like, there's no reason you can't go back and play second edition D and D or third edition or whatever, or whatever Paizo does, you know, in their, their past stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or, or any of the old, I'm using air quotes here on air, uh, old RPGs from even 10 years ago. Uh, they're still fine just because they're not the newest and hotness doesn't necessarily make them bad. Right. Sure. And same thing with some video games. I we I talked about here before. We, I go back and play Link to the Past and Mario Brothers, and um, a lot of the great, they're really great games that are still out there. Um, our buddy Pete's playing um, 
uh, what's the the farming game uh, again? Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley. Like it's he, not a new game. He ran out. I of, would still he, say he ran out of Mega Man games to play. That's what <laughs> yeah, or Mega Man. Right? He's playing Mega Man. Right? Like you can go back and play some some really great. Video. There's so many good video games out there. And if you looked at Dennis and I's Steam list, you already know that we have so many we still haven't played and we own. So <laughs> you can go out there yeah. and. And play your old games, but yeah, yeah. Diablo Four coming out soon. Aside uh, from uh, aside from Diablo Three, um, I'm still playing Captain of Industry. Uh, I finished my first mm. island just before we started D3, and then after like two nights of playing D3, I was like, I kind of want to start another island. Um, oh, did you? You know, I, that, I have not played Attack of the Storm, and I haven't had that feeling. So it's good to hear that your game you're playing it's makes that you factory go back. simulator thing where you're like. Okay, now that I know how this works and how this works, and I watched this YouTube video that was like, "Oh, this is how I get those conveyor belts to connect to the this thing like this and whatever," mm-hmm. then it's like, "All right, I want to kind of take another crack at it." Yeah, that's um, that that's a sign of a good game. Then you want to come back and play it. I yeah, I yeah, have it's, that for my. It's very, yeah. it's very. Um, I mean, kind of in the same way Factorio was like it because it's early access. Like I can tell that it's not done. The furthest you get is launching a test rocket, right? That's like the early stages of NASA. But I've mm-hmm. seen the load screen when you're loading into a game, and there's a Saturn V back there. Like, this is going to get... They're going to add, you know, some stuff to this. This is not... But it's, but it's, but everything that's there is very functional. Like, there are no really, um, like, game-breaking bugs or anything like that like the closest there is to it is because everything is trucks and they have to drive around you can often get in situations where your trucks can't get where they need to go either because you built something that blocks where they can drive like they can't drive over conveyor belts you've got to uh raise them up um make them elevated okay or you use your little excavators to like dig up the terrain which is voxels it's not cubes like like Minecraft, and now the terrain is all uneven and the trucks can't drive on it. And you're like, well, that's not the game's fault. Like, I did that. I told that excavator to mine there, to dig there, and now it's messed up the land. But there's a, you know, it's got that whole Unity thing where you can basically just respawn that truck and and that's, and everything will be fine. Yeah. Um, it, it, it sounds cool. I just want to have to check out, especially the more you play it. And that's kind of something I think is good, good, good references for me or, or what's the word I'm thinking of? Like how do you think about a game is like not necessarily what you say about it, but if you're playing it often and want to go back to it, sure. that's, that's a recommendation. That's, that's a good recommendation for me. I think Yeah, that, that you continue, not, not that you just play it for a couple of weeks and then you're like, everybody should play this game. It's so great. And then you're done after a couple weeks. So that, that happens a lot, right. With everybody. Right. Uh, yeah. But yeah. So cool. The, the, the attack of the storm, I would say is kind of falls into that category. I played the little bit of cred out of that for a while. And then now I just don't have any desire to kind of go back to it. I got to figure out, think about why that mm. is. And what, what, cause I like the game. Um, I wonder what it would take to get me to, to, to open it back up. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I have not played. Um, I played Axiom verse two a little bit only because it was free on PlayStation. I'm not recommending that game per se. <laughs> it's a Metroidvania game. And I think that there are better Metroidvania games out there. Mm, okay. Um, but but it's uh it's just it's too it they went too old school for it for me that it's uh sure. a, a lot of the uh, 
the puzzles or whatever are given no clues and either you look up at the internet or you just kind of have to randomly fall into them. <laughs> and which is, I don't know, it's just not for me. And, um, it also has the, uh, um, let's make the lowest res possible game you could make almost not, not really, but sure. pretty low. You know, it, there's one part where it's not quite, it's like eight bit. And then you go into another phase and then it turns it into like Atari, almost almost Atari type graphics. And you're like, mm. all right, you, you are lo-fi already. And then, which makes kind of some of the platforming difficult to do. So mm. anyway, it's fine from a Metroid, a free game on the PlayStation monthly game uh, thing. But but I wouldn't recommend it. On the other hand, I did open up Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which is the second Ori game in the right. series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have not played much of it besides the opening tutorial area. But I watched Sydney play. And it's pretty cool. It's be- one. It's beautiful. Like it's just mm. a beautiful game when you're when you're walking around with this very cool, very responsive, interesting character and platformer game. When the entire game itself is just beautiful, everything about it is like, wow, this is a stunning thing to that I'm being a part of type mm. thing. Uh, so, and it's not one that you can do until you play it. Like you can't. That's one of those things you can't describe until you play it. Like you just enjoy sure. it. Sure. Uh, so. Again, not far in that game, um, and and uh, but it's it's always on sale on Steam. So, I, but I would recommend Pickpole if you wanted a Metroidvania game. That's the one I would go. I think it's only on PC though, unfortunately. Oh no, wait, it's probably on Xbox. Um, oh. It's a Microsoft. It's a Microsoft game. Sure. So it might be that one. Um, yeah. So that's that's my video game things. I haven't really played too much of them all, uh, besides stupid Diablo three. <laughs> It's you know the good thing about Diablo three two I wanted to add to that one is that it's just it's sometimes mindless. It's not like you're doing. Yeah, much. it's you know, it's. it's um, I don't. I don't, I don't think go back I, to that, but it's. The thing. I don't think I knew what question you were going to ask me at the at the beginning, but it's. It just is what it is. Like it's it's Diablo. It's not. Um, it's not anything more than like run around, kill demons, and get better loot, and then kill demons faster, and then turn the difficulty up. Like it's it it is very arcadey. Yeah. That, uh, before we move off, off of games in general, and now we're talking about video games, I know you guys played, I heard you guys, you and Fox and Trotsky talking about a game you guys pl- played last night online called Earth. How'd Earth? that go? What, they, they, I, I only hear you guys talk about positive things about it and and that I that I missed out is what I heard on that one. But yeah, because Fox, what, what think? Uh, uh, I think I think maybe maybe Fox oversold it or, or what? No, no, we were, he was talking about a movie. Uh, Cocaine Bear. Um, Cocaine Bear, which I think I'm going to go watch this weekend with Pat, FYI. Yeah, because Fox sold that game really hard, or that game, that movie, uh, to Trotsky. He was like, if you like this and this, you'll love this. It's amazing. And I I think maybe, like, I don't know if he, what, what he thinks about how how much Trotsky weighs his opinions on things. But it was like, <laughs> you know, just really over the top, like, this and this and so Trotsky went and saw the movie and was a little not disappointed but like middling on it on his in yeah. his reaction and he's like I don't know the way you talked about it made it seem love and he's like yeah I probably oversold it anyway that's not what we're talking about <laughs> um that was a weird little tangent there okay all right I, I realized I was mixing it up with two things that we talked about uh okay. at game night last night but um this is a board game called Earth and you uh, played it on Board Game Arena, right? 
It's on Board Game Arena. Um, it, I want to say, plays up to five. And it is a, it's a sort of engine builder, right? There are elements of um, Space Base or other following games. I don't know what the... There's a, there's a really simple game that has that following mechanic um, that I'm, that's not going to come to me. Um, how much or how little to explain of this game. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a sort of terraforming game where each player has an island and you're building a tableau of cards, which is a 16-card grid, 4x4. Four four. Um, and you start with three cards. They're of specific types. One is like an endgame goal. One is a kind of in-between bonus, and one is an action. I think you can just pick of, of, from a whole set of them. Or no, you pick one from three types. Um, and... The cards have a bunch of symbols on them. They're like, it's this color, it's this type, it's this kind of thing. And they're all plants. They're trees, shrubs, mushrooms, and maybe one other thing. Um, and also, there are terrain cards. They're like, this is a desert or whatever. Um, and on your turn, you get to pick between four different action colors and those okay. let you do different things, right? You get the currency that lets you play cards. You draw cards. You, as they say, compost cards, which, which is like your own discard pile. Um, each card in that pile is worth a point at the end. So it's a little okay. bit like the um, Tyrants of the Underdark. Not really, because it's all one-to-one one one point. So if you have cards you know you're not going to play, you're like, I want to compost this because then it'll be worth a point at the end. Um. And when you play cards, you play them in this tableau um, that can only extend to four by four, and you have to play next to the cards you've already played, which never seemed like a problem to me. Um, but there are some cards that <clears throat> that affect the cards around them. They're like, this does a thing for cards in this row or in this column or adjacent, right? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. The cards that you play have a, like, base color, and then they'll also have one, not all of them, most of them have one of those four action colors. So, okay. um, on uh, green, the color that lets you plant cards in your tableau, um, maybe a couple of the cards that I played also have a green action. So when I pick the green action... I also get to do those things after the main action phase. Okay. And then those four actions also have a, a follow ability, right? So if I'm the active player and I take green, I can play two cards, draw four, and keep one, right? You can discard okay. the, the other three. Everybody else gets to plant one, and then I think they draw two and keep one or something. Right? Okay. So it's that follow mechanic. Um, but then all of the tableau cards of that color trigger for everybody else also. So it's the kind of thing where it's, it's big and there's a lot going on, but because so much of the play happens simultaneously, it keeps moving. Right? Unless you've got, like we had Trotsky and he gets real, like, analysis paralysis sometimes. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. Um, 
but brand new game. We played four players, and I think it probably took like maybe an hour and a half. Um, of course, it's board game arena, right? So it does a lot of the like logistics. You're not, you can't make illegal plays, and oh, right, right, the yeah. um, whatever you call it, the the implementation on board game arena is is beta. So every once in a while, there was a little nitpicky thing, but whoever programmed it put a lot of effort into like quality of life stuff right you've got a card and it's got symbols on it but they put little buttons next to all the cards a little question mark that zooms the card in and then has text underneath rather than doing the like mouse over hover thing yeah there's a more mobile friendly and i can't imagine playing this game on mobile but you probably could um you click this button and it pops up and then there's text that like Okay, you can see the symbols, but here's the full explanation. It's you draw this, compost two from your hand, and then you gain one of this other thing. Um, all spelled out, so you don't have to remember, like, which symbol is this? Okay, this, mm-hmm. uh, this. And then, like a lot of these games do, there are a lot of ways to score. Um, the uh, The thing that I focused on... I ended up winning, but it was close. Trotsky was right on my heels. Um, There are four fauna cards, which are animals. Okay. Um, And those are like, what are they like? Um, They're like quests, sort of. Um, Yeah. A couple of the ones we had in our game, because there's a whole deck of them, were apes, like an orangutan and some other kind of gorilla. Um. The orangutans want your biome to have four trees, right? And the trees, the, the cards, I should also say, are all photography, which is normally kind of hit or miss, but the, the pictures in this game, at least from what we could see on Board Game Arena, were all really, really nice pictures. Okay. Um, and they, they, they're real things, right? You're like, this is this kind of tree, and there's maybe a little text on it that I didn't really read um and then there's an icon that's like this is a tree or this is a mushroom or whatever right um and the um once you meet the conditions of that fauna you get you you know you put your little token on the thing and you get those points um in the starter version of the game those points are flat right you just get 10 points if you fulfill that objective Um, in the standard game, the points start at 15 and go down, right? So the first person to do it gets 15, the next person only gets 12, so on. Um, but there are also, um, I think I mentioned terrain cards, like deserts. Um, Trotsky got one of those that was get a point for every winter or like there's, there are icons on the card, the little snowflake. Like, he gets a point for every snowflake in one player's tableau. Not even his tableau, but yeah. um, must have been two points because he got 20 points for it. Um, my tableau had 10 of those snowflake cards, and so he got 20 points at the end for playing that card. Um, 
And it's that kind of, I don't know what genre you call that, if that's a Euro or a Mera, mm. whatever thing. Sure. Um, but there are a lot of different ways to get points. Um, and I really liked it. I don't normally, I normally have a pretty low tolerance for very complicated games. Um, it's, it's definitely simpler than, um, you know, like you tear Mystica, um, or any of that kind of stuff. There's no fighting, right? You're all kind of playing your own. And because of the follow actions, like everything you do, you know, that benefits you also slightly benefits everybody else. Um, so that's not too bad. Fox compared it to Champions of Midgard. I think it's oh, it's pretty like close. I I don't think like mechanics or anything, but just in terms of complexity level, um, is yeah. is right around in that in that sweet spot. I don't know that I would play it in real life without the benefit of all the mm, uh, yeah. board game arena stuff. But I might try it a couple more times on BGA. Um, Trotsky ordered a physical copy that I think he's going to have at the end of maybe if they can. I think Fox and Jill know the developer. Um, oh, okay. And so they're maybe going to try and, if they can, get his thing shipped or whatever. Anyway, Trotsky's going to try and have the physical copy before um, we all meet up the beginning of April. And I might. In April? I'm, I might play it in real life. I don't know. <laughs> You're right as long as you don't have to deal with the little bits and pieces there. The, all the, up, right? the math and the setup and just everything takes so much longer. So you sort of trapped in the experience is, is yeah. part of my whole issue. I I uh I forgot that I, I was actually playing a new board game um a, as well. Um I, I don't play a lot of them, but um the I'm playing a crusade crusade game. I can't think of what Crusaders Crus, Crusaders or something kind of I hear you guys talking about that. I am not playing that game. Yeah. Uh and I say, I'm trying to think of what it's actually called. This is, seems really stupid, not knowing what, what the name of the thing. Is. Oh, Crusaders! <laughs> they they will be done. Was the name of it? I will. Uh, it it's uh, I I'm liking it so far. We're about uh, halfway through for the first okay. time playing it. We're playing it asynchronous, so it's a little slower with the, two of the slowest people of our friends, myself <laughs> and Trotsky, right, 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 uh, on there. Um, but uh, it's it's simple. It's uh, which I like. It's very. It's I mean, I like complex games, but I like. In an asynchronous game, I can enjoy a, a simple game too. I guess. Sure. Um, and uh, but it's uh, the thing I like most about it is uh, it's there's not a lot of PvP in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the game itself is set up on a board grid of hexes overlaid of Europe, and though, although Europe has no real care about this game, mm-hmm. um, but the the main mechanic of it is that you've got a a um, if you think of it like a spinny wheel, you know how you, those those things where you have like pie shaped stuff and you spin the th- the the little spinner on it and okay. lands on like, something like like twister, yeah, kind of kind of something like that. But but you don't have the spinny wheel. Okay, <laughs> that's important. You just okay. have something with that's divided into pies in a circle, and you have little circle markers that you put on each one. They're all the same color. It's just like a little chip marker or whatever. Um, and then when you each of the pies, which I think there are one, two, there's six pies, is an action. And when you take that action, however many little pie, little markers you have on there is how many of those actions you can kind of take. 
and and then when you use use take that action, you take all the markers off of it, and then in clockwise put one around the the circle, type stuff. So you're spending your actions and then distributing them to the next actions, and you okay. get to pick which action you want to take, when type stuff. Um, and that may sound a little complicated, but it's very very simple. Um, okay. And that. So you're you're a crusader. You start with a horse. You go out to a hex, and one of the actions you can take is build, and you build a thing, and you get some points for building a thing. Uh, you can have four of us. There's like six different kinds of buildings, and when you build a building, you get points for it. When you build the fourth one, you get a, you, you get increasingly more points. So your idea is to go and build these different kinds of buildings, and they each give you some benefits. Um, but you know the spaces fill up quickly, so it's a lot of can I get to a space before so-and-so else gets to a space and, and fight that thing on there with my action? And everybody has this. You can see everybody's boards. So you see where their little action markers are. You see how many they have. Um, and there's no randomness to that whatsoever. Um, and everybody has little special powers they can do. But, but it, it's, it's fun in the fact that there isn't a random thing about it. You know all of the things. You can see what everybody's doing. And it's kind of not difficult right when 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 you have a chess like game you don't I, I think you don't want it to be too difficult sure or at least for my my enjoyment um so that that game's pretty fun uh so far i'm enjoying it I, and i would give it a thumbs up um so oh, i cool. see here that you also invited me to an earth game so you can kick my butt on an earth <laughs> game too dennis and tell me about <laughs> it next we can tell everybody about it next week yeah i did um, it standard mode i added you and cogswell so it'll be a learning game that'll take a while Excellent. Uh, finally, we started uh, on the game thing before we move on real quick. It's an easy one. We, we started our uh, – I'm real excited for our, our biweekly game group has started playing um, legacy games again. And we played the, the Champions of Midgard. We're playing one of the, new, the newer expansions. and not Sorry, not Champions of Midgard. Um, what am I thinking here? Uh, uh, Journeys in Middle Journeys Earth. Journeys in Middle Earth. Yeah. It plays with the app. If you want to know about it, you can go back on our old podcast episodes where we talked about when we first played it. That's more about mechanics. Just wanted to report that we played with, we're playing with uh, four players out of five. Um, it's just like the other one. It's very fun. You don't know what a lot of the things are happening. Um, I've always described it as um, you don't know how many hit points the, bo- the, the, the monsters you're fighting. Well, I guess you do have things. You don't know how many... Um, successes you need to pick up a tree or break bars or whatever you might want to do to do something. You just try it. And then the game through an app tells you like, Oh, you've, you really gave it a good push. If you just push a little harder, like you never know if you go into like a role-playing game, you can look in the book and say to pick up a tree, it takes four successes or something. The -hmm. game doesn't tell you any of that. And there's nothing in any rule books to tell you. You just says you need to try to do this thing. Yeah, and then it'll tell you try agility, and you're like, oh, okay. And then it's you know. trying to it's trying to simulate that experience of of playing a game with a DM, right? Like, yes, yes. Without needing someone to not play, <laughs> right? And and it alleviates some of the min maxing in that way. That, in that like, oh, let's because right. you know our group. The first thing we're like we do is like we should have all the balanced of abilities, and we should mm-hmm. like if you're mm-hmm. going to do agility, then I'm not going to do agility, and I'm you know that kind of stuff. Um, but we don't know, so we can't like min max for traps or min max for this. We just kind of play the character. Um, right. 
And that's kind of what I had said with the first one. And I just wanted to report that this game continues that trend. We did lose. Um, and we were basically ran out of time. Um, took, took too long on, on doing stuff. We were doing really well, but didn't ran out of time, uh, which the game kind of gives you a timer. We, we knew that. Uh, the other game on the other side was Zombie Side. They're playing a Zombie Side version. It's like a Western thing. Yeah. It's not a legacy per se. It's more campaign y. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they lost that one as well. I saw pictures. It looked like they got overrun like crazy. Hmm. Um, so th- that's. Um, we're starting those. And if we get any more kind of legacy things, report those. If you want. But I really, really enjoyed playing this game. And I love enjoying playing with the people I'm playing with, playing with Pat, Zahn, and Captain Chris. And we're just having a good time. Uh, and that's really, really fun. Nice. Uh, okay, so that's all of our games for the week. Um, before we get too far, into yeah, the we're show even more. We're, we we're already running long. We talked about Diablo too long. Um, exactly. Let's let's do we, our, our movie for this. Yeah, so we get this yeah, in. we've we've got TV shows, but we should do the movie first. All right, this week we watched Dinner for Schmucks, 2010. Steve Perel and Paul Rudd, um, plus a handful of other people that you've maybe seen. I mean, Zach Galifianakis and Jermaine Clement from uh, um, oh, Flight of Concords, Bruce Greenwood. Um, was he from Law and Order or something? Definitely sure. seen him in a bunch of stuff. Oh, he was he was Pike in the Abrams Star Trek. Um, the the guy playing the boss, um, Ron Livingston from Office Space. Uh, who else? Randall Park. So a bunch of stuff. Chris O'Dowd from IT Crowd. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is, is that pronounced the IT Crowd? I'm always saying it the IT Crowd. Why am I so stupid? Because <laughs> it's IT, he says hello I know, IT I just when don't he know why. I, I don't think I've actually seen that thing. Oh, I just okay. Saw it in print, and I as, as the gif. Cool. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, so dumb. So not a not a ton to say about this movie. Um, it's I I've seen it once before. Um, I appreciate it on a rewatch. How like how fast the setup is. Right? Like, I think it takes 10 minutes. Because I checked the runtime. I was like, oh, we already know. Like, the premise of the dinner for schmucks, which they never use that expression, but that's what it is. Um, yeah. like, why do they call it dinner for idiots? Like, Because that's what they call them. Right? I don't know. I don't, may, maybe that was too on the nose. <laughs> um, like... You understand what that is at the 10-minute mark. And then I think by the 20-minute mark, Steve Carell is fully introduced and, like, established who he is going to be in Paul Rudd's character's life. Right. And then the rest of the movie... Oh, well, not the rest, but, like, like that... It takes 20 minutes for the first act almost yeah no yeah and then and then the 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 big bulk of the movie is the sort of comedy of errors of them interacting before they get to the finale which is the the party itself the actual dinner yeah 
Yeah, I, 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 I was going to say that too. Is that I had forgotten. I've seen this before. It's been a while. I only watched it once, mm-hmm. and not, not that's not a judgment on the on the show. I just had, and um, I did not remember that it took so long to get to the dinner, like to the actual dinner mm, part of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was, I will say now, which is fine because it's funny. All the way through, it's totally okay. Like you're you're there to watch Steve Carell, not quite be his character from Anchorman, but still be like absurd right. with the things he does. Yeah, and he does that the whole time. It doesn't have to be at dinner, right? Right. Um, but the dinner is uh, suitably great. I think the yeah, all I mean, the characters it, that show it makes there. the dinner more feel more earned when you get to it. Like when he does the whole big presentation. I mean the Zach Galifianakis stuff is less funny. But when he does the whole big presentation with the mice, um, you're like, there are still jokes here. This is still absurd, but it's kind of sweet and touching. Um, as uh, Michael Scott's characters usually are. Right, right. As right. as a lot of Steve Carell's characters are. And it, um, it's, it's, you know, a, a microcosm for the whole movie. Right, is that yeah? Is that mouse presentation he does at the party at the dinner? Yeah, the I I, I obviously love Paul Rudd. Who doesn't love Paul Rudd? You're you're mm-hmm. a bad person if you don't like Paul Rudd. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, he he plays Paul Rudd in here, right? Like a in really, a year or two, he'll get canceled, and you'll have to. I'm I'm certain. That. Sure, why why not? Um, <laughs> he uh, he plays Paul Rudd in here, which we love, right? He plays his his yeah. lovable character. He, he he even gets better when he starts like. I think the best part about Paul Rudd being here interacting with Steve Carell is that um, Paul Rudd, I keep saying Paul Rudd instead of his character, but that character accepts him like officially, uh, initially he's always like, what you're doing is absurd. Stopping, you know, Mm -hmm, no, it makes no mm -hmm. sense. And then he just kind of gives in like, okay, I know who you are. It's fine. I realize what's happening here. Uh, You're not very smart and and I'm just going to be, Okay, and that's very sweet and endearing, which is again a very Paul Rudd thing, um, and makes both the characters better. I'm thinking of one scene where he first comes over to his house and insists that the dinner is that night when it's tomorrow, um, and he yeah. doesn't, he won't leave. Uh, and Paul <laughs> Rudd, instead of getting angry or mean or belligerent or whatever, just kind of tolerates him, yeah. right? Yeah. And that makes Paul Rudd's character better and kinder and the whole situation better. Um, so yeah, I, I liked, I liked a lot about it. I, I, it was a fun movie. I would going for recommendations of stuff. I'd recommend this to a lot of people. Like there's a person I don't think that I would recommend this to, uh, your Zach Galifianakis comment is pretty spot on. Uh, I think that, uh, he was in it the appropriate amount of time, just a little bit. Right. Yeah. His, his comedy is probably the weakest. Yeah. Like, his his scenes, his jokes, the there are parts of the brain control thing that you're like, okay, it's sort of it's a little bit of a rule of threes, right? Because they do it once before that, and then they do it at the party, and then he, Paul Brad gives him that little pep talk, and it's like, here we go, like it it goes over the top, right? They take the joke too yeah. far, but I like the idea of like, yes. His mind control thing is bullshit, so you can do it back to him, um, which was funny. 
Yeah, yeah, I, that that was really good too, you know. And, and then he runs off, and which makes it like great. I, I like that it was just enough of of Galifianakis's character. That was enough. That's all I needed. Yeah. To do any more of it? Exactly, it exactly. Um, but but Corell, as usual, I almost can't get enough of right his because <laughs> it, it's usually because that guy is always smiling when he does his jokes. Like Michael Scott is always smiling when he's playing the dumb person, right? And, yeah. and it's it's always I've always said this. It's hard to hate dumb people when they smile. Or when people are doing something, if they're really happy, it's very mm. difficult to, to okay. not sure. be okay sure. with that. Um, and, and he's happy so much. You know, he's – and when he's just saying things wrong, it's, it's pun after pun half the time. <laughs> um, I love your giggle because that's what I was doing. Hold on. I just giggle. I just couldn't stop from giggling uh, out loud. And, and, I'm, and, and I, I turn over to the thing. I'm watching the show, and, and I just find myself laughing out loud and saying, you know, like he says – he said fecal. You know, or something like that. It's yeah. so stupid. Yeah. Um, he said the wrong word here. Um, yeah. Yeah. I did a thing that I don't normally do, and I watched this movie this morning. Oh, um, okay. We, we rescheduled because mm-hmm. I uh, watched the wrong movie <laughs> over the weekend, um, which we'll watch probably in two weeks. Um, but I forgot to watch it last night because we were playing Earth, and then I got on captain of industry after game night was over um right and i woke up early this morning and i was like you know what i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna put on that movie i've seen it before i can watch it and it was just a different like i was in a different headspace and i i laughed at a lot of it like they're just these mispronunciations and you know that of course are are jokes right like he said the wrong word but the word that he said instead is funnier um kind of stuff and and yeah yeah i liked it yeah yeah i i i did too and and it's hard to say any more about why i like it because it's all jokes like it's all i don't want to you know I, right. it's one of those things when people laugh like you and i could laugh about what's happening there but it doesn't make sense to people unless you go watch it especially delivered by great comedians in this one so yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's really all i can say is that it's just some really funny things and if you like if you like steve carell and you haven't seen this one, you're missing out. This is a good Steve Carell one to go watch. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's fantastic. And I actually love any of the scenes he's interacting with uh, the blonde lady, um, mm-hmm. the, the psycho girlfriend type thing. Yeah. Um, I've, the only other thing I've seen her in is a couple episodes of new girl. Um, sure. But, but she's very funny. Yeah. She, she was very funny. And her, her part in that was, was not so funny per se, but when she's interacting with Steve Carell, that character, I'm like, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's just fantastic. Um, and and when, you, when you're watching the show, guys, I'm specifically talking the scene where he starts. They start smacking their butts, you know, as they <laughs> hop around the room. It's yeah, just so so hilarious. Um, yes, th- thumbs up. That was a good call. I'm, I haven't seen. It. I'm glad that I watched it again. And now that I've watched it again, I'm, I will recommend it to other people and watch it with them because I, I had forgotten. Uh, yeah, it's it not. It's not a masterpiece, right? No. It's not. Yeah. No. It's not the greatest work by either of these two actors, but no. uh, it's fine. It's good. Yeah. It's and, not... and you get these two actors who we all kind of yeah. like, right? Yeah. So yeah, the I will say too uh, that I'm I appreciate about it is that they didn't spend a lot of time with the I'm going to say I'm using air quotes again villains like the real jerks of the story. Uh, you, you didn't spend it only mainly the third act and a little bit of the beginning. Right, you got to pepper right. it out throughout, but the 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 dude bro business people 
type stuff. I guess they're not right. Too broke, the, but. the the bosses. Um, yeah. Oh, that's who this guy is. Yeah, Flight of the Concords, and also um, what we do in the shadows. Right, is the artist. Oh, the artist. Yeah, he was he was fairly entertaining. I think. Yeah. Uh, which I thought he was going to be insufferable, but he was you know, at least a little mild entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so moving from that one, let's go to some of our television shows. Well, it's our it's, it's your pick before we. Oh, my pick already for for the next for next week. Uh, what was I going to pick for this? And how about okay? You and I talked off air about how some old movies, or per, particularly I was saying old movie actors, can be mm-hmm. lost to time. Sure. Uh, even though they were really great and and well well known, uh, one of those actors that I feel is losing their name recognition is Bob Hope. Um, okay. I have not seen, I will admit that I have not seen a full Bob Hope movie, even though he has many. Uh, sure. He came up in the forties, fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I was aware, able to watch media in the eighties, he was in reruns or just like, you know, guest star type thing. Yeah. Um, and if I saw most of his shows, it was at my grandma's house on TV and I would see things. It was fun, but I don't know anything much about him is kind of what I'm saying. So yeah, I would, that's, I, that's kind yeah. of my exact same situation. Like I know his name and I know that I watched movies with him in them with my grandparents, but I couldn't name one of them. Right. And, and, and the name was always said with a, a happy reverence, I guess like, sure. Oh, Bob Hope, you know, that kind of sure. thing. Uh, so I want to watch a Bob Hope movie and I like old movies. I like some gold, black and whites. Although you and I have had the experience of understanding that they don't just not hold up. They're kind of got really some offensive things that happen in them. So I'm going to pick one on this one and fully knowing that this is probably all sorts of like racial badness and it's called road to Morocco. Um, Okay. Yeah. yeah. They did like seven of these road to movies yeah, um, it, was, it was a whole series, you said. Yeah, whole, yeah. whole series. So this, I think, is in the, one of the middle ones. Um, and we can see what it's like. I Who knows? If it's really great and fun, maybe I'll pick another road one to watch later on mm. and we can talk about you know, the differences between them. But let's, let's watch this and see what we think of a Bob Hope. Um, sure, sure. From 19, mid-40s, 40, early 40s, I think is when this is. 40s, man, that's going 80 years ago. Did you say there was a gap in this series of movies? There was. Uh, it goes like 40, 41, 42, 43. And I think it's 40. It goes to, like there's like a five year, five year gap and then a 10 year gap. Hmm. So okay. it, it stops so like in reunion. 52. Yeah, it stops in 52. And then they're like, you know, hey, 10 years later, we're going to put out a, a sequel to our. OK, I was I was curious if there was a gap in those movies during World War Two. And maybe you just weren't seeing. No. But but you said the year forty two three so it's not that but I was that was fun, yeah really no fun. I don't think uh, but but yeah. yeah but these were made in the middle of the war so right I mean honestly um, I know Bob Hope and the big thing about Bob Hope was that he did uh, like USO tours which is the um, right for people overseas listening it's when like celebrities will go to the troops during uh, yeah like, there's an element of them i was such. i was going to i was going to speculate on on their ages when when the war was happening but it's it's probably more of the fact that if they were somebody famous they could contribute in a way that was that was had a different value right than like you don't take 
you don't take Bing Crosby, not Bing Crosby. Who, who is, is it Bing Crosby you said? Yeah, it's, yep, Bing Crosby. Yeah, yep. you, you don't take Bing Crosby and have him carry a rifle. Like, you put him on a stage and right. have him boost morale, right? Like, it's a different, yes. it's a different skill set. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so. Um, so, yeah, that, road, that's Road to Morocco. That, that's what we'll, Morocco. we'll watch on this okay. one. And, and, and um, neither of us have seen this or knowing. I, I think this is a no, fun thing to no, kind of see no, what we can. Nothing about it. First, first I'm hearing about it. So, okay, um, we've got ooh, we've got like 20 minutes left. Um, we've got <laughs> we've got. Last well, we're not going to get to all of our stuff, but we can get to. Yeah, that. we've got Last of Us, Star Trek: Picard, and The Mandalorian season three. What do you? Well, thankfully, you think all three of those only have one episode that we need to talk about. That's so true. That's, that's true. That's that's. that's um, uh, what do you want to do? Oof. The, the one of those, uh, almost most of them, I don't have a ton to say. Yeah. Yeah. I could Except probably Picard go will off. invariably get me on Star Trek forever. Yeah. I could go off for a while on Star Trek Picard. Um, the, the short version of my thoughts on that is I'm, I'm less hyped than I was after season three, episode one. I can't really explain why. Um, I just am not. Maybe I was in a weird mood when I watched it, but I'm not super invested in the in the storylines that they're pursuing. I really okay. sure. care almost nothing about the Rafi storyline, which doesn't help. Okay, um, sure. which I don't I don't think is uncommon. Sure. Um, Mando, without spoiling it, it's is just more Mando, right? Okay. Um, sure. Is that? Uh, I, okay. I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to breeze past if you have stuff to say. If you want sure. to talk about it. Uh, well, well, we'll breeze past Picard because we can come back to it, and, and I'll breeze past it enough to say I'll do the short thing too. I, I, uh, my short after Picard two is that I still like it. I'm still, I'm still getting yeah. the yeah. the fun next generation, but but hundred percent future vibes. Um, I'm enjoying a lot of the interaction between I I like Frakes in in general. Jonathan Frakes who mm-hmm, plays Riker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like him in general as a person. I like, although, like you said, he may be canceled next week. We never know, right? I can't <laughs> like him anymore. Um, but um, I like him a lot. He seems a really personable guy. He does he does a lot of directing, and I, and I'll always see him pop up on sci-fi things that I'm watching. I'm like, oh, this is Jonathan Frakes. I, I right. he does a lot. Um, and he's in this in this show playing a character that I like as um, grown not grown up, but you know, older. And I think he feels like an older Riker to me. And I, and -hmm. I'm enjoying watching that on, on screen. Uh, I also feel that the two of those actors um, are comfortable with each other and it kind of shows on screen. And I feel that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, that's the the long and short of that. There's more to go into it, but I'm feeling that so far. And you're right. The Rafi stuff can, can, can kind of take me out of it. I'm not hating on it. Uh, I specifically actually really, really enjoyed the end scene of episode of two of course. Uh, that somebody comes out and does a big thing, which I was not looking forward to that character really that much. But when it hmm. happened, I was like, Oh, that's cool. So <laughs> that was a good introduction. Uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm digging it so far. It is two episodes in and hopefully yeah, I'm at the point where I'm looking forward to a third episode. So that's a, that's a good thing to say. Yeah. Uh, Mando. Uh, yeah, it's only 30 minutes, so it's not a whole lot to talk about the uh, an individual mando episodes it's uh you're right more more mando uh, i actually feel it's it's, it's more star wars um this feels a good star hmm. wars episode star wars episode to me 
Uh, there's laser fights. Oh, because there's space combat. Got it. Yeah, there's space combat. There's laser fights with gun shooting stuff. It's got a little bit of Western feel to it at times with like the, the draw with the pirates type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to see progression of uh, Cargill. That's uh, the uh, the high, whatever his name is. The It's Carl Weathers who plays him. Oh, Carl Weathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, I, I, I liked that. Um, I'm still never... I'm just not a. I'm sorry, people. I'm not a big Grogu fan. He's fine. I've said it. Been outspoken yeah. the fact that I, the series would have done better without him. Um, I don't. I don't know if I'll go that far. But well, I'm, no. I, sorry, I'm sorry. Would have been better without him after he found. Oh, like, coming Luke. back. Yeah, he should have yeah. just gone away and it wrapped is, that story. It, I, I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah, because yeah. uh, he's just fine. I mean, him being. You know, Pedro Pascal being another dad, I don't know if we, that necessarily needs to be something that's a, a character core. Like him and Ellie are you, important. You, that's you, like you've you've seen those memes where, or maybe it's a TikTok where like somebody's explaining the plot of The Last of Us, and they're like, "It's Pedro Pascal, and he has a he's taking a young person with him on a long trip, and they meet <laughs> interesting people along the way, and they're like, this is Mandalorian. You're describing Mandalorian, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah." Uh, obviously different, but yes, I, yeah, I yeah. agree with that. Um, the, so yeah, I, you know, I don't, I could care less about the Grogu stuff and he's okay. I like that. He's a little kid still, and they're still making him be like a baby, but, um, sure. it takes, I like all the it stuff takes some of the, and, and I was, I was mid on the finale of season two anyway, but it takes some of the, the, I don't know, like it, it it takes something out of that whole sequence and reveal and everything for him to just come back. Right? Yeah. Like oh, we for went sure. through this whole for thing sure. of like, who are they taking? They're going to take him to a Jedi and teach him a thing. And now he's back. And, and Luke like, of all, all right, people. Right. Then, yeah. then what was all of that for? Like, it's yeah. Weird. I, I mean, it was for because marketing, 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 right? Like we, yeah. people love the, the, the baby Yoda. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about with this one. With this one is, um, I, I thought his scenes were okay. I like the Babu Frick type stuff. I don't know if that's actual Babu Frick, but I like his little people. Um, and my favorite thing I did like about this is I'm a big fan of IG-11. Or is it, right? IG-11? Um, droid. Right. Yeah. The other assassin droid is, is famous in Star Wars is IG-88. But this is IG-11. And I really liked that character. I like, or robot. It's character, right? Um, droid. Droid. Um, I liked his progression type thing. I liked where he was at. And I was sad that how he ended. And... Hmm. I like that they're kind of going to bring him back, but not simply. They're not just going to like make it simple. I think by bringing him back slowly like this, will still give weight to his sacrifice, um, which was cool. So I I, I dug it because uh, just because it's it it felt very Star Warsy to me. Um, hope nobody's and, worried about spoilers in this. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean that's <laughs> yeah. I mean they're yeah. You're right. Um. So yeah. It it the only surprise thing is that it didn't. I thought that they were going to launch right into like the Mandalore ethos right. type thing because mm-hmm. they kind of ended on that where like we're going to he's got the black saber and all that kind of thing and yeah. they just don't it just it goes into this him running were you the one that said like side quests or doing quests and things and you're like okay I'm okay with yeah, that but it's just like here's the mission and you're going to do this and then and then this other but before you do that you got to find this yeah, it feels a little bit like I don't like when, uh, particularly our buddy Trotsky compares everything to D and D. I'm like, 
that's not what D&D means. Okay, fine, whatever. I'm not going <laughs> to argue about it. Um, but it does, it does feel like, and I mean, every long arc story is a, is a campaign on rails, but it, it definitely feels like, okay, he wants to do this thing, but before he can do that, he's got to get, he, he wants to fix his old buddy droid, but there's a part they need. So he's going to have to go find that part. But along the way, he has a random <laughs> encounter. And I'm like, yeah, that's that. That feels like a thing. We're yeah. going to inject that's some more true. story in between yeah. the parts of this story. You're right. Yeah, that, that, that was actually a really good description of this episode. Dennis, well said. Um, yeah, so I, I liked it. That, and you know, how we are. There's not much to say about uh, one. It's 30 minute show. And mm-hmm. we're only one episode in, so. Um, but it's good to see Man- Mando's Mando. I-, I will say I like that he's he seems pretty cool. He's still he's still cool. I guess is what I'm trying to say. He still feels okay. kind of badass. Um, sure. I like when he was standing by the tree when um, Carl Weathers was doing the whole pirate standoff thing. Mm-hmm. He it, he gave me he gave me old school Boba vibes where he's just had his hands mm. crossed. And he, he just kind of looking, leaning over to the side. And then his presence was the only thing that you kind of needed to know that was there. Um, and he says, right. like, there's not going to be a problem or something. You're like, that's that's Boba. <laughs> that's the old Boba, right? Mm. Not the one we got now, yeah. but the old Boba. Right. I'm like, that's that's cool. He's still a cool, don't mess with him kind of guy. So right. after three three years with a, with a baby Yoda, uh, he still got that. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, okay, last bit of is would be Last of Us, episode seven of nine. I thought there was eight, by the way. There's we found out there's nine. Oh, um, I I also thought yeah. there were eight. I, I did too. Sydney looked it up because we were like, how are they going to finish this story uh, with just one more episode? And right. considering this this one, by the way, was um, a downloadable content for the game. Um, this week's episode seven was. Um, which I had not played, so I didn't, I didn't know about it. Um, I've read right. about who that character was to Ellie, um, mm. but I, I don't know anything more than what you have known about, about this DLC. Right, right. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I didn't do this for Mando, this though, though, though I probably should have. I'm going to hit the bell here. We're going to talk about The Last of Us Episode 7, which by the time this podcast episode comes out will be two episodes back. But yeah. um, if you haven't played the game and you're watching it fresh like me, episode six ended on a pretty big cliffhanger. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm going to hit the bell if you don't want to get spoiled on that. Again, Last of Us, episode seven. Um, yeah, this, I just, I, I said this in our chat and and several of us have said it, like, I will be incredibly surprised if this show does not win multiple Emmys. I yeah. think, and I don't know, I don't know what it'll be up against. Um, I Googled this to be sure. I thought Fox would probably know, but I'm like, let me just Google it to be sure. Um, the youngest winner of a, um, I probably said Oscar, I mean Emmy. Um, the youngest winner of an Emmy for actress in a drama right? Because Emmys are drama and com- comedy musical, which is right. dumb, but um, 
No, that's Golden Globes. Whatever. I don't know what the categories are for the Emmys. <laughs> anyway, Emmys are TV shows. The youngest woman to win in the actress category was Zendaya, right? Oh, from, really? Okay. From Spider-Man. She right. was like 24, and she won for, I think, Euphoria or something. Okay. Um, I don't know what she'll be up against, but um, uh, Bella Ramsey is amazing in this show and this yeah. episode was just i mean i use the expression face acting a lot but this whole like weird friend pseudo date thing that comprised this flashback that comprised mm-hmm. the majority of the episode was so much nonverbal communication right right like so much you see in her face all the time the feelings she has for this other character, uh, Riley, I want to yeah, say, Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, and her like her her uncertainty, right? Her doubt yeah, through the right. whole, yeah, through the whole thing, to where when you get through that story and you jump back to the present, when you know Joel is bleeding out as we saw in the last episode. Yeah. And she decides to go back, and she's going to help him. And neither of them say anything. Right. And, and I, was, I was literally crying at that last yeah. scene. Yeah, when, because when she's sewing him. Like, like you've, seen, you've now just seen, like, so much of her, of her character, of her backstory, of, of, of who she is, of who she the is. things that she's gone through. Like... We don't, we are not shown how Riley ended, but we already know that Ellie is immune. Yeah, that's right? how she got her bite. Right, yeah. So so we don't need a scene to show us Riley dying. Yeah, we, we already saw Sam do that. Right, we saw that two episodes ago um, or something. We, uh, we saw a kid heart wrench us, right? So we, yeah. don't, we don't need to do that again, right? Yeah. And they, that, that's and, that's a testament to the show, right? Is that they they don't have to show you that, and you still feel the loss, right? Yeah, yeah. And the the I talked to Fox about this after he watched it, but there was a moment where I I just saw I was like this this performance. I mean, because this episode is all about Ellie, all about Bella Ramsey. Mm-hmm, right. um, after they kiss. Right, mm-hmm. there, there are just two lines. Right, she apologizes. She says, "I'm sorry." Right, and and Riley says something like, "For what?" For what? Right, yeah. And and then she smiles. Um, that that and that she, joy and smile. She, she smiles. Her reaction is everything. Like, ev- like if you've been paying attention to these characters, you don't need any more dialogue for that situation. Everything right. is communicated in her face, in her reaction right. to those words. And it was brilliant. I, it, this isn't something for you and I, you know, two cis white guys talking on a thing to, to really understand. But <laughs> sure. I, I can only, when, when trying to empathize with, with people who um, are not, you know, cisgendered or cis or, or whatever they, they, their sexual orientation is, to, 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 when I try to empathize with that, the, the whole idea of, you know, falling for somebody. And then just that at that age is 
terrifying and scary and uncertain and you yes. don't know what to do. But didn't have to th- the idea of the fact that they may not like me because I'm a girl or a boy type thing. And you sure. and I felt that whole thing with this thing with Ellie, you know, especially, you know, you're going to you're going to come across that kind of thing. I had most people that I were friends with in that age are boys. And most people who are girls are, are friends with girls. Right. So mm-hmm. you're going to it probably always I would assume a lot of times that attraction comes with a friend, like an actual friend, you know, right. whereas I mean, you you have the normal fear of rejection. Right. Yes, That's going to be normal, tr- right? true in every. But then then. Yeah. Then you're also dealing with this uh, this sexual identity thing that obviously. Right. Like I cannot personally relate to, but I can definitely relate to the to the fear of rejection part of it. And, and yeah. it's, you know, and to, to be me, rejected it's, by it's, the two it's, things like maybe maybe like. Right. It's, it's like another me, but... it's another layer of it. Like it's not. It's not completely different from the fear of fear of rejection it's just another layer it's like, another layer of rejection n- not right. not only could they not feel the same way as i do about them but they could also reject you know, me as a person re- re- reject me it's it's another like a lot of times when and i'm generalizing here but when someone is attracted to someone who's a friend Right, they deal with this like, oh, it'll ruin the friendship. Right, yeah, we won't be able right. to stay friends if they know. But if if that was like, I can't imagine like that has to be so much more of a risk if you are um same gendered, right? Yes. Like, yeah, like if you're if you're a guy, if you're a girl with a friend who's a guy and you're both straight and you find out like oh they're attracted then it's then it's different you're like oh i thought you were a friend maybe there was always this chance and obviously i think this will happen less as the culture becomes more comfortable with um non-cisgendered people yeah no i agree yeah Um, hopefully right but then in in a in a same gendered friendship you have the of like maybe they saw this as it's the more i think about it i and again who knows i could be talking out of my ass here but <laughs> um the, the part of the risk i think is that the person like the other person if you're asking thinks about this relationship as platonic Yes. regardless of gender right correct and, and and as a component of that platonic i don't know if there's yeah, yeah, right. an adjective form of that word um is that for them it is safe yes right they're like right. i don't have to be concerned about how i'm presenting myself or what like that's how yeah. friendships and you work. don't want to end you don't want to ruin that right them. you're you're like you're like this is my friend and i'm safe and if i find out they are romantically interested in me or attracted to me sexually it now it's not safe anymore safe is maybe too strong of a word to use there um but yeah all all of so much of that in as much as i can understand or relate to it i definitely can relate to any kind of like anxiety or uncertainty about that that whole thing i think that is is well 
maybe and, it just seems you, that way for me because that's how I am. But that is a human yeah. thing that kind of transcends the the minutia and the details of of the potential relationship. But that um it's for again for a same sex gender um a lesbian couple um to me it it must just be another layer right all the same right all the same anxieties that i would feel in that situation in a potential hetero couple but then add this extra layer so it's even it's even more worse so so, even even more so like there's more anxiety there's more risk so, so um, you can you can feel and and empathize with the anxiety that you already have in that situation with a character that with both characters that you you like and and, and appreciate, and especially with Ellie, uh, who you're kind of right. invested in, and then to have that on top of it makes it even more of a an anxiety driven thing, a, a scary kind of situation, and then yeah. to bring it all back to what you were saying, and then to have that communicated as a success in those few lines and in the face and the thing. It, it alleviates your own personal anxiety of what this could be, and you feel what Ellie's feeling and Riley's feeling, and it, that's makes and because of the acting and the performance and the way that they mm-hmm. did that uh, and the lines that they said, just those few th- things, uh, get, was enough to communicate to me. Through all that, I can say I have the anxiety, and I can't believe imagine what she has even more. Because of this, and then that is even resolved in a positive way, it makes me just feel great and wonderful, right? Yeah. Um, and and I and I loved it. I, I lo- absolutely loved everything about it, of course. But for for about two scenes, you're right. You can be happy and, for a minute. Yeah. Well, I, can I address that too? This is something I think is important. I was going to kind of talk about it in our chat, but there was some some talk. Uh, I think it was about Trotsky who brought up the idea that one of the the writers had said something about uh, to the effect of we give our characters everything they want and then we punish them for it. Um, and I don't disagree with that. That's typically a, a a post-apocalyptic or even especially a zombie world thing that, that is kind of like a standard thing to do. Um, I would want to add to that, that this is this show, this story, the game is, does do that for sure. Almost all the time, but it also gives you a lot, Me- meaning that instead of teasing you with with what you could have and then ruining it, never getting it, always feeling terrible and sad, mm. they they do get happiness right there. There's happiness to be found throughout this show, and in, and primarily Ellie and Joel are that happiness. It's the family that you're finding, right? And sure, sure, found family. I mean, it's part of. I mean, whether that's this show, this game franchise any of that that's part of what makes a good story right like right. a uh i listened to uh the Flophouse podcast um where they ostensibly watch bad movies and then talk about them and they had mm-hmm. a listener question um in the context of love actually say um can you think of other um romance movies that are not based on uh, problematic or or dysfunctional relationships, um, or that that are movies that are yeah. based on that. And the three hosts, who are all, as far as I know, middle aged cis white men, were like, I can't think of a of a romantic movie that 
doesn't have a problematic or dysfunctional relationship. Like, yeah. and, and as they, they elaborated on that, the, the several of them, they're like, look, a normal story about people meeting and taking it slow and going on dates and getting to know each other and building the relationship over time and proposing marriage is boring. It's not right. a good story. Like, to make a good story, to make a movie out of, you've got to have some drama and some stakes and some, you know, yeah. big emotional moments that don't usually happen that way in life or if they do the relationships don't last um and that's a little bit of what what is going on in the last of us like if if you just have a story where somebody gets punished the whole time um you know that's just a (laughs) that's just a horror movie right except well yeah in walking dead except People being punished are the audience. Um, <laughs> well said. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, and if you just have a story about somebody getting everything they want, that's not interesting either, right? You're like, okay, cool. It just worked out with no, and and that's it, and and happily ever after. It's a children's story. Yeah, right. Even, yeah, right. even children's stories aren't that. Uh, I, I like your word stakes that you used in that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I yeah. Think, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that whole thing we were trying to talk about with the relationship between Ellie and Riley. Like what made it tense and emotional were the stakes, right? right. The stakes right. were so high Yeah. for like, she has what she has nobody yeah. except this one person. And she can't say because that's, you know, she's all she has. Right. And so, the 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 context the payoff of that to jump back to Joel and her I'm like what is she doing what is she looking for and she finds that sewing kit and I'm like oh my god she's really gonna yeah she's she's really good but we've seen now that we've seen this flashback I'm like I know who this character is obviously her relationship with Joel is not the same yeah in any way right but he is all she has I mean it's just like, well, I barely had time to dwell on it because it happened so fast in the end of the last episode. But when he gets hit and falls off the horse, mm-hmm. right? She like, you're like, you're like, oh yeah. For all her talk and her kind of, you know, sometimes she's like a kid, sometimes she's more like an adult. Yeah. How old is she supposed to be? Fifteen, sixteen. I think like fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, something like that. I'm like, yeah, fifteen, sixteen year old girl out here in the middle of wherever they are, Wyoming. Right. With zombies around. Like, yeah, her situation is real desperate. Yeah. She, what, what did if, you say? That, that line of something about like, if you die, then, then there's, then there's nothing or, or I'm, or I, something like I'm, I'm lost I'm or it's terrible or yeah. I'm dead or something like that. I don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know where I am or where I'm going. Like, yeah. you can't, you felt that desperation in that when she, yeah. said those things like, yeah you know immediately this person who is you know trying to always act like she's big stuff all the time and then mm-hmm. you know her 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 rock and anchor the day is the actual thing just like a parent and a kid almost you know the, the, the parent's gone yeah then the, the kid is like what am i supposed to do and you you almost felt like that terror in her voice when joel falls off that horse in that last episode and this one adds yeah. to that thing so putting riley's scene in this one just added just reinforced it just you know they they do they're doing this crafting this really well with 
putting in when they need to reinforce their relationship and when they need to tell another story. Right. Right. Um, whether yeah. they're doing the pun jokes thing at night or, you know, then they <laughs> switched over to the Sam story and it's not really necessary about Joel and Ellie. And sometimes what's, it is, you know, what's a screenshot. What that was great, right? <laughs> what's the screenshot? <laughs> yeah, uh, I so much, so much to like about it. Um, I, I, I've been a Bella Ramsey fan since I first saw her. Um, I would mm-hmm. still say that if you didn't believe, if not you, but anyone didn't believe that she could have these kind of awesome abilities, then you haven't watched Catherine called Birdie, um, because mm-hmm. she's equally as phenomenal in everything she's ever done so far. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't she hit this one out of the park? And she obviously does. Um, I, I love Ellie is, I, I feel very identifiable to Sydney, uh, when we're watching it. Cause, mm. because I, she will laugh out loud at some of the things that she says. She does the, the thing where she'll repeat when somebody says something funny, when <laughs> they'll say a one liner or whatever, and then you repeat it you're like, Haha, blah, blah, blah. And you say it again. It's funny because yeah. Sydney will repeat it and omit the curse words. Cause you know, she can't uh, right. curse on, and, but some of the funny parts are, is that Ellie just flat out has a foul mouth, you know, uh, half the time. Um, I appreciated the realism with like, uh, to loosen people up. They had them drink some alcohol so that they can be more, it feels a little bit more natural, Sure, it, you know, you, you loosen up kind of type stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I dug it, uh, you know, we're in spoilers. So RIP Riley. Um, mm-hmm. but, but that's, um, at least, at least twice Sydney said during this episode, can we just stop watching now? Cause it's fine. <laughs> right. I think one was when they were in the mall having a good time playing arcade games. Mm. And, and I think the, uh, it was when the, that happened and then the, they showed the, um, the zombie thing come up and she was like, can we just stop now? Just stop now. And it'll all be happy and we're fine. Yeah. And then the, yeah. the next thing was when after they kissed and they were and she said the line that you, you said and they did the happy thing. She said, OK, turn it off now. We're done. We're done. <laughs> so at least those two times I know she said she wanted to. She knew what was it's coming. Like the, we all knew what was going to happen. It's like the friends joke where Phoebe's mom always turned off movies before the end. Like she never saw the end of Old Yeller. <laughs> right. Like. Sounds yeah. great. That's that was that made all sorts of sense, and I I felt for for Sid. And I know that she hadn't played the DLC, so she didn't know this one either. But it it's, mm-hmm. it's a secret to nobody that um, Riley wasn't going to make it uh, through this. Right, right. Well, she's she's not around, so you know it's a flashback. You know that that she's not. So either she dies, or you know, uh, I guess she could have gone to the Fireflies. And, I mean, that, and it doesn't a potential thing. Right, and, and and it doesn't work out, and she goes and dies off screen or something. But I was fairly certain from the way the early scenes were written and acted that at some point they were going to kiss. And they do make you wait almost the whole episode. Um, yeah. I think, now, which, I, I will say this. Felt I, I, I said that I didn't put the DLC, but I don't, I believe that the way I understand it was that they were there was just some some tension, like some sexual tension or some flirty tension in the game. Sure. At that point, they they weren't actually like a couple, or they weren't they didn't have the scene where they were together. I think it well, was, maybe it was like, kind um, of implied that they had that thing, but it wasn't. And then in Last of Us Part Two, it's one hundred percent like that's the thing they wanted to lead with that. Like Ellie is sure. is doing that. So Last of Us Part Two that, was is Ellie doing the things that she's doing now in the show that you know they. They did okay. that later. 
Um, yeah, I I assume some of because I the the first game is excuse me probably like ten plus years old now, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I assume some of that was just where the culture was at the time, right? and the and culture, the fact that you're like, putting a game out, you you want to put a good game out, and you don't want people to get caught up in stupid things, like, right? Like, like yeah, dumb homophobic controversy or anything like right. just like the the bill and frank relationship that's there it's hinted at so it's not at this point when the show's coming out it's not like oh they made this character gay or whatever stupid things people say right but like it was there they just couldn't or didn't i shouldn't say couldn't but they chose not to shine too bright a, a light on it um for the sake of like this is our game it's about this story we don't want to um, stir up a bunch of controversy because that's not what this is about. Yeah, we, we we want you to see the work that we've done and not make it just necessarily about that, which which is a whole conversation in its own. But when you come out with something like The Last of Us Part Two, you already know you've got that thing. You've already got that thing, and they they don't have to like the, now they can actually tell the story without those the kind of constraints. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Not not again. Not that that that's the point of everything in the world, but. Like it should be, like this movie, it's just a natural, normal thing that's part of a storytelling thing. And it's unfortunate that our society, at least the American society, those things can cause too much controversy to cause a bottom line issue or to not watch a movie or play a game or do something like that. Sure. Um, and it, and it's, it's good to see that The Last of Us Part Two came out and it was just, it's, it's, it's uh, used in the same way that it is in this movie. Like it's there's this, the story and it's just part of a you know a thing part of her character, um, and then when the show I keep calling it a movie when the show came out, um, they just embraced it and said yeah okay we're just going to tell it like it should be told which is great so right um, ha- having yeah, the, the kiss we're going to elaborate on this on this thing that we only hinted at and right and, and now now we can actually just tell it the right way which is the right way it should have been told like they didn't have to pull back on it they can they can give the kiss and make that an important thing. You can do the whole bill scene, the whole part of that, and be okay with it. Because you know it's a good story. It's proven. Everybody's seen it. They know how it is. You're going to get that thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. W- wonderful episode. Continues to be. There's only two left. Um, it, it's, it's uh, as they say, bittersweet type thing, knowing that I know the story will have a conclusion. I mean, I know the story here. It, it does mm-hmm. have last. I know there's Last of Us Part Two, which I have not played through. Um, so that's that's good, but I also know that Last of Us Part Two does not deal with the same things that the Last of Us Part One does. Um, okay, it's a it's a different thing. It's got Ellie and Joel in it, at least at the beginning. We can say, uh, or whoever, if not actually at the beginning, because flashbacks. So I can't really tell. Mm-hmm. I can't really honestly tell what happens because it does a time skip, um, and I've not that's gotten right. far enough into the game to know if Ellie and Joel are still there um hmm. but anyway that that's so that's not any kind of spoiler thing but i know that it's a different it's a different thing we're we're i don't know something like five or six years into the future different kind of st- stuff situation so this is going to come to an end this whole arc and story is going to have a thing a closure in two episodes and that feels like not enough but that's okay that's okay it's good power packed episodes is instead of long terrible jessica jones episodes (laughs) i'll be sad when it's done but i'm also glad that they're not uh you know they're not dragging it out that that, like as i always say 
I'd rather have nine amazing episodes than like two good episodes and and twenty two. Yes, just okay episodes. Hundred percent, and it's nice to see them. Obviously, they had a story from the beginning, so they they know that the beginning. Yeah. They don't have to pad it out. They've got what they did. If anything, right. they they probably put the screws to them and to get it down to nine, and that's fair. And and it's a. I don't want to start this whole new topic at this point in the podcast, but the 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 mediums are very close, right? Like mm-hmm. for all of the terrible video game to film adaptations, like this game, I've never played it, but um, from everything I've I've seen and heard, is a narrative video game. Like yeah. it's yeah. a story told through a visual medium. It's almost a movie already, yeah. or a long. A, you know, prestige miniseries, whatever we're calling these now. Yeah. Um, And so it's not, it's not a huge step. It's not like taking a book to a film or taking a comic book to a TV show. Like the two things are very similar already. Um, And so that really helps. And and something about, about uh, the game that I know people don't understand that, that this doesn't do translate is that uh, some people have said, you know, I've got to, I don't. They took out all the parts where you're just shooting zombies and rifling through for ammo and things like that. And and I agree with that. Of course, it's dumb to have in here, and and it's it may not be seen as the most exciting in playing a video game when you want to get to the story. But Naughty Dog games are different, and the reason I say they're different yeah. is that when you're rifling through drawers looking for ammo, Ellie's talking to you about something. Right? Mm. She'll 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 respond to the fact that you found ammo that you haven't had in forever. She's like. Finally, shotgun. We can finally maybe get through some things, you know, or or she'll say then she'll pick up a comic book when you walk into a thing and say, what is this? You know, and she'll have a conversation Mm -hmm. with with Joel as you're walking through the hallway of the hospital or the university, you know, and it it gives flavor when you're doing the not so great things or when you finally get into a part where there's a ton of clickers and you're having a big shootout and it's over. She'll you hear Ellie go, oh, my God, we made it through that. How do we do that? Right. That's all narrative with the action. And yes, it's, I'm glad they took it all out for the, the, the show. That's totally fine. But for people who haven't played the game, you can go back and play the game and get more richness, even in that kind of combat-y thing, because the way Naughty Dog does narrative with the characters talking all the time with each other and everybody else. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, and our, and our buddy, I know our buddy Justin just platinumed the first one. Uh, so good on him for that one. Pretty cool. Um, Hmm. And when this show is over, I'm sure I will start playing The Last of Us Part Two again. <laughs> and then, then I'll have to know if actually both of them are in the, the rest of it. Right. I'm assuming Ellie is because she's on the cover. But makes sense. Makes sense. All right, we're running long. So uh, next week we'll have more about probably maybe The Last of Us we record on Monday because it's on Sunday nights. But we'll definitely have more Picard and. That's it. There won't be a new man. We, we can get into the uh, sexuality of, of Jean-Luc Picard. How's that? That's going to be fun for yeah, sure, Star Trek sure. haters. That's, <laughs> that's, a thing. that's a thing we can talk about. Okay. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 286. Well, let's say 60. 286. Thanks always to our friends at LRM Online. Our buddy Fox just put up a short review of Babylon. Just check that out. Um, if you want to reach out to us and... What? Tell us your thoughts on Star Trek Picard. Um, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, and use contact forms there to reach out to us. 
If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a positive review, we appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.